Well, so far nobody's tried to push me up a hill off a hill after a sermon, so I guess Jesus won up on me on that one. But today's gospel, today's uh, second reading reminds me of a of a uh, quote from a, a saint. I'm, I can't. I've got the saint's name in my mind, but I can't remember it. And it is this: the level of spiritual maturity that we have achieved at the moment of death is that level which we will have for all eternity. The level of spiritual maturity we've achieved at death is the level in heaven we shall have for all eternity. And so that's important because the gospel today is talks about love and as an action verb and not just as a feeling. You know, what if, we're, if I'm doing something based on love, love, such as marriage or priesthood, those are two extreme examples because most of our lives are not dramatic like those decisions are. Uh, it, it's going to wear off. You know, we have to have a firmer foundation than feelings. This is, it's obvious, but it, it doesn't always look obvious. If I stop feeling something for you, it doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means maybe we're maturing a little bit here. And that goes with our relationship with Christ. I meant to bring a prop with me and I forgot. It's still sitting on the, on the table over there. But in any case... I used to belong to a church in Los Angeles called St. Jerome. I'm sure many of you have never heard of it, but it was right under the flight path, naturally. And uh, I used to live across the street from it. It's, it was a huge round church with 12, 12 sides, one for each apostle, and 12 doors, if you can believe that. And so it was a very, very large church. And I worked a swing shift with the airline. So I liked that, 11 to 7.30 or, or noon to 8.30 or something like that. Uh, and so they had a nine o'clock mass, which appealed to me quite a bit, and I used to go that to that. And then before long, I was going early to pray early, like many other people were doing in there. They kind of uh, gave me ideas, and I began to come earlier and earlier to pray. You had to put up with people socializing and the sort of things that you do, people do in, in churches, you know. But it was basically a pretty peaceful time, and I was praying my breviary that I was praying at that time, as now, uh, been praying it since it came out, I think, basically, but I was trying to pray the divine office, and I'd sit there, you know, and maybe you've had this experience, and a lady, it, suddenly this lady started coming, and maybe she'd always been there, but she sat, would sit down behind me in the pew, and like right next to me so you'd be sitting there and then these these hands would come out and you're like right here with a rosary dangling there and I'm thinking you know I'm on the end you know like all good Catholics I hog the end, end row like that and uh, I'm thinking you know and then here comes the rosary and so I forgot to bring my rosary but it makes this kind of scratching sound <laughs> And I'm praying the divine office. Oh God, come to my <laughs> our Father who are <laughs> you know. And she liked scratching those beads against the side of the pew. I think it made her feel good. It didn't make me feel good though. And so, what do you do? You know, I I stayed there and just and just put up with it. And I switched to a, another seat on that same side. You know how Catholics we we pick out a spot and we don't want to move. You know how we are. Anyway, I I found a spot near that, but. A little bit different and sure enough there she was again right behind me and just to the right of me and she kept doing this when she when she did come to church 
And it just, it just drove me nuts. But I felt that to get up after she kneels down there, whoever she was at that time, I didn't know who she was, uh, would be rude. To look tur turn and look at her would look be rude also and tell her to knock it off. So I just kind of put up with it, you know. And, but it was hard to pray that way. So some of you remember this, my previous time I told this story, but I, I, I came up with a nickname for this lady to help me get through this misery. I called her Rosie the Rosary Rattler. Rosie the Rosary Rattler. And here comes Rosie. She'd be there, I don't know, two or three times a week. I'd kind of roll my eyes when I saw those, those hands come out. And so Rosie and I had a, a long uh, prayer relationship until I moved up here to the seminary. And later on, interestingly enough, uh, through a mutual friend who knew that story, uh, he put me in touch with the family, and I, I told them that story by email, and they were really touched by that. Her name was actually Betty, and she, uh, I don't know, she worked for the post office or something. But uh, they said, oh, yeah, she would come to church, and she would bug us with that, making funny noises also. I said, oh, that's good. You know, I wasn't the only one that was bugged by this. St. Teresa of Lisieux um, was trying to figure out what to do with her life. And she wanted to be a foreign missionary in the Far East, Vietnam, actually, because it was run by the French in those days, and, but they wouldn't let her go. And she said she couldn't be a martyr because the, she wasn't living in the age of martyrs. Remember, she's in, she's in 19th century France where they had many martyrs in the previous 150 years. And she said she couldn't do this, she couldn't do that. She couldn't grasp as fully as she wanted to, being a perfectionist, St. John of the Cross or St. Teresa of Avila, two luminous Carmelite saints, uh, the interior castle of St. Teresa of Avila. It's tough to read this stuff. I, I can't, you know, she's, I won't go into it, but I've never gotten out of the, out of the uh, front room, you know. Of, she says you go higher and higher and, and this and that. And Teresa wanted an elevator to get to the top and so she said that's how she came up with her little way that God is impressed with the little things in life and not necessarily the just doing big things all she had was little things to give God I, you hear me preach about that often because St. Therese had a deep influence on my own priesthood and it's a very good way to live because God is constantly offering us these rosy moments you know those <clears throat> times when somebody's rattling your cage or rattling rosary beads or something it's just most of it's little things and occasionally really big things and we we can make use of those and God wants to make use of those things so that we can grow in holiness and we don't grow unless our edges are being pushed at times just like exercise if we just stay where we're at we plateau and then we don't grow anymore which is I just like to get to a plateau, frankly, you know, start exercising again. But uh, it, it, what, that's what the spiritual life is like also. Our Lord knows we only have this present life to grow. And then, again, the spiritual maturity that we achieve at death is where we will be for all eternity. So each moment becomes quite precious because we don't know how long we're going to be here. And now we have a, some inkling as to why God permits these challenges. It's so we'll grow in holiness without somebody rattling beads next to you. How would you know that you know that you're uh, that you're growing or not without 
things to try our patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't put on airs. Love doesn't say, I told you so for the rest of your life. Or, or constantly remember somebody's sin whenever there's a fight, you know, those kind of thing. And this often used at weddings. Some of that stuff I'll bring up during those, those type of sermons. But St. Saint, Saint Therese had the same, a similar problem that I did. I read the, her autobiography, which is a really good read, by the way, if you haven't read it. It's pretty thin, but it's filled with spiritual uh, classic lines. She didn't even mean to re write this book. She wrote it at three different periods of her life, the last third, the best of it, while she was dying of tuberculosis, you know, with nuns interrupting her all the time. In the midst of this, she writes that she used to sit in choir and the nuns were assigned seats then, probably still are, and it's in some communities, and she got assigned in a place where behind her was a nun that made noises. Uh, apparently she, apparently in the book, the nun used to make noises with her rosary beads. So St. Therese, she, I, I meant to bring the book too, I was gonna re read her actual words because they're so funny. She said she, said she couldn't pray, she she wanted to turn around so badly and let that know let that nun know just how much she was making her suffer, but she didn't. She was going to ask Mother Superior if she could move, but she didn't, because she realized that 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 senior nun behind her would have been hurt and offended uh, if Saint Therese moved. She would have realized it was because of her, or she thought she might. So instead, she had to come up with some other solution to this noise and she said she'd sit there and she'd sweat and she said she, all she could do was clench her fists and just endure <laughs> she said she couldn't say she couldn't pray a word all she heard was this this noise she said she began to she said i decided to offer that orchestra up to the lord every every time i prayed and so that's what she did she offered up that 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 divine music, she called it. You know, I would have called it something else, but but she put up with that. And you know, it's that little, those little cage rattling things in life that we tend to grow the most in. But we often just see them as inconveniences, or oh, not this again, or not that again, and we miss the opportunity that God is trying to offer us. Uh, and we don't understand what God is, what what He wishes us to do, which is to grow. In the, in the fruits of the Holy Spirit and in the, in the gifts of love. And uh, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love does not put on airs, love doesn't come to an end. Faith is fulfilled, hope is realized, love goes on. Love transcends the barrier between, between uh, death and the next world. Those who, who have died, those whom we love, have not stopped loving us in the world they went to, assuming they chose heaven. They simply can't communicate it directly, but they'll be praying for us and seeing everything we're doing and hoping that we catch on. Because for them, their time is over. And now, now God reveals the whole, the whole scene and where he was at everywhere and all the opportunities that we had and missed. Like Jeremiah says, in the first reading, the Lord says to Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Look how pro-life that is. Before you were even born, I knew your name. 
I had a mission for you. I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Well, that wasn't just for Jeremiah. That's not put in there just for his benefit, but for ours. Each of us was known before birth by some mysterious presence. I mean, some, some mysterious will of God. And each of us was given a mission in a certain particular time and place in human history and in the church to be here and to make a difference. We've just gone through extremely historic times. Just, uh, I just, just the fact that the, the church was closed down one, one Easter all over the world, that's never happened in the history of the Catholic Church. That's just one of probably a dozen examples that are unique to our particular period of history. But it was meant to give us something to strive against or to grow in love for. We're, many of us have many differences right now in, in many areas of, of our lives between us and other people. Oftentimes it's within families, but, the, but God is calling us somehow to learn to get along, to, to find a way to love without feeling good about it, or by not, ex, you don't have to excuse somebody or, or agree with them, but we have to find a way to show the love of Christ in these situations, or at least to pray to try. And that's, it's those, it's those daily, um, Oh, we used to call it in when I was in college sandpaper ministry. It's that kind of it's that kind of thing that really is what is what I think St. Paul is is trying to get at, and so we uh, are left with um, what my 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 saint friend said to us. I'll say it again: the level of spiritual maturity that we have achieved at the moment of death is the level of sanctity that we shall have for all eternity. <laughs>